0: Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by special guest Steve Falland. Steve, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me.
0: I, I, it's hard to imagine that there'd be people in the audience who haven't heard of you, but for those few, could you please let them know who you are and what you do? There will be plenty.
1: Uh, <laughs> so I do the Being Freelance podcast, which I've been doing for eight years. And uh, off the back of that, I ended up doing another podcast called Doing It for the Kids, which is for self-employed parents which is like the one which wins awards and stuff but uh, I don't begrudge it that Um, and uh, then I have like a course for freelancers and a community and all it's all sort of growing out of that one podcast uh, that I started all those years ago and of course I am uh, freelance. I I make videos and podcasts and do voiceovers um, for for people so that's what I do for a living. Uh, Technically um, (laughs) I'm not I like I have a limited company you know like and I hire other freelancers and stuff like so um, I consider myself a freelancer but actually I hire other people to work
0: with me um, so I don't necessarily do everything myself got it that's so going way back like what what were you doing when you started the podcast because I'm curious how it sounds like the podcast is kind of this central uh, pillar of what you have going on is that fair to say
1: Yeah. well, So I'd worked in radio for, I don't know, 12 years or so by that point Mm -hmm. and um, had just been doing sort of like bits of freelance work on the side. And then I chucked it all in in order to go full in on like being full-time freelance so that I could be there to look after our kids Mm. uh, either end of the day. And it was like that first year of freelancing, I really didn't know anyone else who was doing anything similar. So I started trying to find podcasts, mm. and all the podcasts were, I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of them were American entrepreneur podcasts. We know the type, right? Yeah, they were American mm-hmm. entrepreneur podcasts. Now, um, there's nothing wrong with that, but they didn't. They weren't speaking to me. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. uh, either that, or I'd find people who were like, I don't know, two graphic designers, and they were just talking about graphic design, but not necessarily about business and being a freelancer. So, yeah, a classic case of not finding it. So I started it. Um, well, you know, I had a microphone because I was doing voiceovers. I'd worked in radio, so I knew how to edit. Like, it wasn't that harder thing to do. And back then, there there really weren't any. That Thankfully, there's loads now to help people.
0: Mm-hmm. So what what were you doing in radio? Was it, like, audio production or were you um you, i you was <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah technically the word talent uh has never been so misused but <laughs> i i was i was talent and but what i was all the thing is i technically i was on the radio right mm-hmm. so i was um speaking in between songs trying to entertain people uh but i was also i sort of like Used to do the production, you know, like all the promos, the trails, and things that you'd hear in between. Right. And then I sort of rose up because I was there so long. I grew up there basically, so I started becoming like the the manager to other people in the production team and stuff like that. And then on the side, though, I would freelance for because I don't live that far from London, so we've got this wealth of massive companies. Um, producing really great stuff, uh, radio both in the UK and around the world. Mm. So I would use my spare time to go and work for those companies, where I would be like a producer, a production assistant, uh, a um, an editor for mm-hmm. other people's stuff. So I was mu- uh, for, in those situations. I was making tea for the talent. I lived <laughs> at both ends of
0: the scale. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's really cool. So. Um, okay, so then you started this show, and I'm going to guess because I, you know, I know lots of people that start podcasts. One of the first things they sort of, it's like, okay, I'm doing it, and there's like a little bit of a hump to get over. You probably didn't have too much since you were had the radio experience, but did you worry about growing an audience? Was that like, what was your, what was in your mind at the time around that? Did you just sort of not care, and you just tell your friends about it and say, hey listen in or hey do you want to join me on this show like i guess i'm wondering how seriously seriously you took it in terms of like um uh reach
1: i wanted uh that's a good question because trying to search back to what i was really thinking i I presumed or hoped that each guest would kind of like tell their audience about it. And so it would kind of grow that way. And at the same time, I went on Twitter, you know, and hung out in places and started writing guest blogs for things to try and sort of spread the word Mm -hmm. of this new thing that I was doing. Um So I but at the the same time, I was also looking after my daughter one day a week. I was um, trying to actually do stuff that was making me money because the podcast wasn't. So I was actually trying to do my freelance work. So I wasn't hyper focused on like growth of the podcast. I wasn't I was just trying to make it and benefit from it and trying to get it in front of, you know, many people as I could mm-hmm. in the amount of time I had available. It was actually only a few more years in um, to starting it, but I then thought, oh, do you know what? This is – because by then I, I thought, I really believe in this. This is a really good podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is sound, like I suppose, it, you know, um, you kind of have to believe in it, don't you, to keep doing it week in, week out. Right. But I, I thought this – like, I really want more people to hear it. So then I, I tried more, you know, more of those sort of tactics. But I've never – done advertising or anything like that uh it's it's that sort of organic growth that takes time as word spreads as other people tell other
0: people Hmm. yeah no billboards then
1: <laughs> no not yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> i remember the first time i saw a billboard in my town for a podcast i was like wow pod- wow it, yeah podcasts were like i mean it was, it was a while ago i, I don't think it's it would be as it would not be nearly as surprising <laughs> now but i was like podcast seriously you know this was Back when, I mean, I've been podcasting since 2013, I think, 2015, Mm -hmm. something like that. And it still felt like, um, it still felt like a a real nerdy, you know, goofy kind of thing to do, I think. At least to me, it did. (laughs) And so when I saw Billboard, I was like, whoa, radio's in trouble. (laughs) Because radio radio and and, uh, personal injury lawyers are pretty much the uh, (laughs) joke words you see around here.
1: Okay. uh yeah when i did work on the radio i did almost once get run over by a bus which had my face on it um i walked <laughs> out of my flat and allow. across the road yeah the bus it's so so the i walked po- across the back of the bus and uh yeah my face was on the people in the car were like doing a double take as to what is, uh, which i am sure must happen in an episode of sex in the city or maybe every episode <laughs> uh, but yeah it did happen
0: oh man So, okay. So you were sort of, you're doing it. You believed in it at a certain point. You wanted more people to be listening to it. Uh, what was there a point where you were like, went all in air quotes, like where you're like, this is, this is, I don't know. This is, you know, either through sponsorships or, or through selling courses or through promoting your own freelance, um, capabilities Were you like, wow, this is, this is really, uh, delivering business benefits for lack of a better phrase. And and then maybe you were like, oh, I'm going to do this for reals, uh, you know, whatever. Was there a point where you sort of took uh, took it to the next level, or at least in terms of seriousness?
1: Well, I don't know. I th- I think maybe that has happened incrementally. And if anything, has just got more serious, like this year. Mm-hmm. But um, so I've always been like my main focus, my main business, the, my main income is through what I do for other people, you know, mm-hmm. through making podcasts and um and videos uh there was a point where i i decided to try and grow it and would try to partner with uh organizations who were also trying to reach my audience like free you know so um in the states you have freelancers union for example so Mm -hmm. i wrote blog posts for them in the we have our own version over here called ipsy so i would write i i sort of became they did a thing with me where I ended up on their website and being advertised to their people. So I would try and sort of um get those sort of things. And eventually, um a what would you call it? So free agent who are a an accounting software, so like Xero, FreshBooks, that kind of thing. Yep. Free agent is a big one in in the UK. And they god bless them uh, sponsored it for like 18 months like mm. what it what it ne- what you really need i've come to realize is somebody in that company to really be- who really likes podcasts <laughs> and really believes in what you're doing to take a punt on you mm. um so i have had varied success with podcasts since that point which was i don't know when that was maybe four or five years it's all a blur now mm. um but all of those things you know they take a lot of time podcasts take a lot of time if i really wanted to make more money from getting sponsorship then i would just do my job you know they um <laughs> they take a lot they, each one i i worked out recently each one must take a whole day of my time and i've nearly made 300 episodes so it's like a whole year of my time when you take in all the research the recording the editing the promotion uh, of it um <laughs> So
0: yeah what your
1: question though was going full all in yeah incrementally was my answer right because um it was only f- 4 years ago that I eventually relented and like started a community Mm -hmm. And I say that because some people would say, oh, you're going to start a Facebook group, you can start because other ones existed. And I was like, I don't know, they look like a lot of work, (laughs) (laughs) which I was right. Um, They also already exist. Like there's other groups. I'm doing my podcast, thanks. But I realized that I was being emailed by freelancers from around the world. And I was talking to them, but they weren't talking to each other. And I thought, yeah. well, maybe I'm just being a bit selfish here. Maybe I should style it. So I did mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, January 2019. Um, yeah. And just the floodgates opened. Like th- there was like a, th- a thousand members before I knew it. Wow. Uh, because they'd all been listening to the podcast and were like, oh, finally, he's done this thing. So it really took off very quickly and became a really nice place to h- hang out. And I would do extra. Stuff in there, you know, like live Q&A's and um, a book club, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, a pub quiz, like various mm. trying to make it really social. I do a thing called the Non-Employee of the Week Awards where <laughs> I I give away an award each week. So uh, it took off really quick. And then it was only in um, uh, 2021, I want to say, but it was certainly during one of our lockdowns that mm. I did the course. And again, that wasn't really a business. It was more a thing where I was thinking there's there's so many people who contact me wanting help who are new freelancers, and I can see new people joining the community all the time who are new freelancers. Right. What, what would I wish I had when I started out, when I started that podcast, when I didn't have a clue what I was doing? Right. And um, by this point, I felt I'd learned from all of my guests. I'd learned from my own experience and so that's when i then put the course together cool so that that was what a couple of years ago and so there's just been lots of steps to making i know to ask i guess asking people to pay for things Mm -hmm. but um then eventually i decided actually i will move the community off of facebook and make that a paid community so that that is actually where i'm at now where i feel it's more serious if you're saying businessy wise Right. I still... Um, the reason I did it, though, was because I could see that people really don't like Facebook anymore. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, it made sense because everybody wanted to be there. But now I knew that people were leaving. So people were... I was losing people. Meanwhile, other people aren't joining, particularly right. younger freelancers. They don't want to be on Facebook. Right. So... Um, yeah, I kind of felt like the best thing for the community would be to take it away from this place that nobody wanted to be on anyway. <laughs> but that meant I had to charge people because it means I have to pay another platform to host us. Right. And in order to put all of my time and energy into it, I, I kind of thought, yeah. Maybe. And it's funny, when I eventually decided to do it, so many people said to me, I can't believe you didn't do this years ago. I thought you would have <laughs> done And I was like, ah! But there we are. That's where we are.
0: And where did you move it to?
1: So I moved to Circle. Mm. Um, But what's great is it doesn't, you know, Circle doesn't really necessarily mean anything to the people who are in the community. They feel like they're in the Being Freelance community. Mm -hmm. It feels a bit like it did before, but it's just neater, tidier. There's no nasty data mining and ads to trip over and clickbait (laughs) and it's everything is
0: ordered and
1: yeah, it's nice. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I, I looked at a bunch of, uh, I, I had a similar experience where I, my my mailing list, people would sometimes, you know, I would share information either about a, an episode, a podcast episode that I did or, or just a story from one of the other readers and other, it was not uncommon for people to say, oh, could you put me in touch with the person that that email was about because I either want to ask them a question or they, you know uh, I've got some, some advice about the problem that they're facing, whatever. And I was like, and I had the same experience you had where I was like, it's kind of weird that I'm in the middle of this and nobody can talk to each other. Yeah. Like my mailing list felt, started to feel like a community. The way I talked to the people in the list was very, it felt like a group. It felt like members, not subscribers. And, uh, and at a certain point I was like, I had the exact same thing. I used Slack cause You know, at the time, most of my people were software developers and Slack was very popular with software developers, but it's got pros and cons. I looked at Circle too. It's, it's very cool. I almost, I started paying for it and I almost went and did that. But, uh, so I applaud your choice. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so many things going on here. So it's like, I do kind of want to stick with the podcast. This is because you've got so much expertise there. You've been doing it for so long. Is it fair to say that it has been, um, well, I'm leading the witness because of what I want you to say is without the podcast I'd be nowhere. I mean, that's that's what I want you to say. But it, what's what's the reality? Like, will you do you think the podcast is just a labor of love that pays for itself, or is it a key piece of your empire?
1: Oh, okay. Well, it, it is a labor of love, undoubtedly. But um, yeah, because so many times people have come up to me over the years and say, "I really love what you do with being freelance, Steve." But how do you monetize it? Mm-hmm. Like, I would get asked that question so much or to a point where I'd almost feel embarrassed. I'd sort of say, "Well, I, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just kind of be nice. I'm just trying to help people. Like I'm, I'm making money doing my my business. You know, I kind of do this to help." Other people do the same. Right. And I've had so many messages of people who listened to the podcast and eventually went freelance, you know. So many businesses who started out and got the confidence listening to it or f- messages in a similar vein now from people who have taken the course. Right. So, um, so it genuinely is coming from a good place and is a labor of love because, right. as I mentioned, it's a lot of effort. Um, but if we were to consider it a business – And look at it from that point. Then undoubtedly, the podcast is like key, like it's this huge um, thing. Which, if you know, you can pick it up. Well, I have picked it up. I've, I've used huge chunks of it and quotes of it. In, in the course, you know? So the course is all backed up by evidence from all of these other people. Cool. I can turn it into blog posts. I could turn it in theory into a book or whatever. Like It's such a big content generator. Plus, people get to know you, so they know your voice. So you might go and speak at an event um, or just be at an event, and people come up to you, so they start to get to know you. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of like joining the community... I'm sure there must be a certain amount of that bond is built because originally they've listened to the podcast for so long, and it's such an intimate sort of thing. Even though, really, the podcast isn't about me; it's always about my guest. Right? Um, you know, I'm not sitting there. Funnily enough, I was about to say I'm not sitting there giving advice, but in the "Doing It for the Kids" podcast that I mentioned, that is more like an agony aunt and uncle. Um, advice column, you know, a listener writes in a question, business question, and we answer it. Um, So, and uh, yeah, so the podcast has been really important. And actually, I think, you know, if I if I was sensible, (laughs) as somebody who was making videos and podcasts for, for businesses, what I should have done was started a podcast about that, you know, uh, or to start a podcast about businesses doing really great thing in my area of of England. Right. Um, that would have driven loads of business, I'm convinced, towards towards me. Mm-hmm. So I do think, um, you know, this week I spoke to somebody for the podcast called uh, Ayo Abbas, who is a marketing consultant. And she went independent in 2020. And she started a podcast. That was like one. That was you know. She sat there and thought of all her marketing options. she, she went, "Yeah, I'm going to start a podcast." Mm-hmm. And um, you can just see like the sort of gravitas that it has lent her, the profile that has been raised, the fact that she can reach out to all of these high profile businesses in her niche or niche and <laughs> get to speak to them. You know, and and in yeah. fact, some of them have become clients. Right. So, so I totally believe in podcasts for for that purpose. I just used them to draw an audience of freelancers that I wasn't trying to make money out of. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's it would totally have been great. a it would have been a great business if if I was.
0: Got it. So over the over the course of years, like you said, if in theory you could take the information that guests have shared with you you know, over all that time and turn it into a book or something like that. And that is what you used to turn into a course. So maybe let's pivot a little bit. And I'm curious if you, if, if all of those conversations and all of your interactions with the community, if you have a general advice for people that are just starting out in freelance. So like, do you have, do you have sort of a worldview about, about the air quotes, right way to start freelancing? I don't I don't usually talk to like early freelancers, but I'm sure they're out there in the in the audience. The dear listener <laughs> or people who are thinking about starting freelancing. Yeah. That's fairly common. So what what do you say to people or what do you what do you think is the advice that you agree with from your guests about getting started in freelancing?
1: I think what, one of the key things that in fact it's what I start the course with. And it's what I wish I'd sort of realized. It took me a while to realize is that you are. A business. So whether you call yourself a freelancer or an independent designer or you know, a consultant there, so you know, like there's lots of different terms we can all use. Mm-hmm. Um but I almost feel like the work because I decided I was a freelance video producer and my wife introduced me to some people and she was like, Oh yes, uh Steve's quit his job, he's starting his own business. And I was like, No, I haven't. <laughs> Just gonna <laughs> um but she was right. Uh and I think you need to get into that business mindset because then you start to think like a business and what, you know, that businesses exist to make a profit. And they have research and development teams and marketing teams. And the mm-hmm. fact that you are all of these things within your business, you start to take it a bit more seriously. When like a huge bit of advice I always give is to split out your personal and your business finances. Totally, because. Bet- yes particularly if you start off like just doing a little bit on the side you might just think ah oh, just chuck it into my personal business ac- but uh, sorry into my personal account but yeah it the, you you need to separate them uh, I mean, not only does it make everything a lot easier accounting wise but it suddenly you realize that you are a business um and then i think you'd start to treat everything differently once you get into that mindset
0: yeah i could not agree more that's that's i've worked with people myself i when i went solo i i knew i was starting a business i didn't i didn't think i was just freelancing or consulting or whatever i knew i was starting a business i you know got a lawyer got a financial planner got a an accountant like before day one, you know, and I was like, all right, I want to do this the right way. I don't want to worry about doing something wrong. And so even, but even though I had it completely, you know, was set up as an S corp and it was, I was an employee of the company, even though it was just me. So Mm -hmm. even though I knew that I wanted it set up like that, and I didn't want to expose myself to any liability and I kept all the finances separate, it still took me an embarrassingly long time to really internalize that. And not Mm -hmm. feel like, like, yeah, I had the money in two separate accounts, but it's all my money. You know, it's just like, there was no distinction in my mind between Jonathan Stark Consulting Inc. and Jonathan Stark the person when it came to like, uh, like income and expenses and profit. And so it was, it was weird. It was weird that I, that I knew it consciously, but it's like, I didn't know it subconsciously. And uh, it, it took me a while to adjust to that. And I see the same thing happening honestly, with most people that I, that I talk to, it's definitely a majority of people. They don't, it's just me. Right. And the, and the, the real big problem with that, just to pile on and just agree with you, Steve, is that especially if you're billing by the hour and you don't see yourself as an employee, then all of that money feels like profit, but it's actually cost. It's a cost. And in the way to think about it is that if you As the business owner you should you know in theory a business owner would just be doing like high level strategy making decisions about what people should do and if you had if you were going to go do that if you were going to focus on your business strategy all the time and do r d and do all the marketing and close deals and the sales and all that stuff as the business owner and then you paid someone to do the the delivery work that you're doing right now how much money would be left over and the answer in most cases is like basically none because the employee mm-hmm. you the employee is getting all the money and the business isn't getting any so mm-hmm. anyway that's a, something that sometimes turns the light bulb on for people if 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 you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about hopefully that, that yeah, separation no, I, will be important
1: it, it, yeah uh, and i've given some advice in a similar vein recently to to people who are maybe doing Uh, a bigger project you know like it's not an hourly thing they're going for a project fee Mm -hmm. maybe they're even hiring somebody to work with them and I've kind of said that you know even if you are the person let's say you're a graphic designer you're designing this thing um, but you're also project managing it because you're getting photographs from this person and copy from this person like um, what (laughs) I, I sort of advised them to take into account what they would pay the graphic designer if it wasn't them. And for yeah. that matter, what if they were ill and they had to hire another graphic designer? What are they going to pay that person? Mm-hmm. And then um, who, if, if they were so busy with their graphic design because they're so brilliant mm-hmm. that they had to hire a project manager to manage it, what would they be paying that person? So even though it's you, what are you paying yourself for doing that? And then, yeah, to think about what would be the profit on top of that, like this extra bit of money, which is for the business, it's not going to pay anybody's salary for all mm. of the different jobs which are happening, but it's making your business better. So that next time you hire a copywriter, you've got a buffer of cash so you can pay them immediately and be the best hirer of subcontractors there ever was um, <laughs> yeah. or that, you know, the next time the pandemic comes along, you could afford to take time off and pay yourself out of a buffer of cash or to invest in a in a new computer or whatever it might be. So it. Yeah i think it takes a while to get your head into thinking oh yeah okay i'm doing all of these things but what if i wasn't right and and i think there's also a layer of guilt about adding on profit uh about adding on money that seemingly isn't being used for anything (laughs) because because it's just you, you know you're not itemizing it towards anything it's just for the business in quotation marks right um so, yeah, once you get over that layer of guilt, once you get over guilt for the fact that maybe you're hiring somebody at this rate, but you're effectively ch- you know, adding stuff on towards the client, um, yeah, things start to click into space. And actually, once you build up that buffer of cash, because you're adding on all that profit, then you can start to be more picky about who you get to work with mm-hmm. because you're not so desperate for the work because you know you're going to be okay because you've got that buffer of cash. So... Yeah, that whole mindset just has this knock-on effect, which is brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's a yeah, excellent. I love it, and it's so true. I completely agree. Like that desperation for like the next gig. It's like, oh, I don't know where my rent is coming from. It's like that's that puts you in a really bad position. In tr- like in terms of leverage, you know, any anybody that comes along with a pulse and a checkbook becomes like, it's like, yeah, l- let's do it. You know, which
1: is why what one of the best things you could do if you thought, you know, sometime down the line, you want to go solo to start your own business, however you want to phrase it, is to start putting money aside uh, before you take that leap. Now, I didn't really I didn't do it this way. <laughs> yeah. So I had to sort of like make make it up as I went along and um, to take everything that I could. But the sensible people have six months, even a year. You know, three, six, twelve months of cash mm-hmm. um, behind them, as well as having built up clients and networks and things before they then take that leap, and it leaves them in such a better
0: place. Yeah, I mean, if you, if yes, if you could do that, like if you had, you know, six months of runway and you know a mailing list with a thousand people on it from your desired target market, it's like, hello, yeah, I, I got a question yesterday. <laughs> how how do I know? Uh, it was it was something to the effect of you know got a full time job how do i know and i i have a full time job and i want to go solo how do i know when it's the right time and you know it's obviously a very personal question but i said pretty much what you just said i was like well the thing i would worry about the the thing that's going to keep you up nights is cash flow so if you know once you go solo it's going to be cash flow so if you're not worried about that or if you have reason to believe that your cash flow is going to be solid or you've got a nest egg built up or you know you're current employer is gonna hire you on a part-time basis after you leave because they need you to wrap up a project or something like that uh, and it and you feel comfortable that you can sort of you you can just predict that the odds are good that you've got at least enough money for six months either in the bank or or you're confident that it'll be incoming then you know that that's probably a good time that would make me feel comfortable enough to do it I, <laughs> yeah. you know when I went solo I had, I basically left a firm and worked out an arrangement with my employer where I, I took, I think I took two clients with me and we split the money. Um, and it was, so I was just, it was no big deal. I wasn't nervous at all. and And I'm not a big risk taker. So I was like, but that's the, that's, I feel like that's the move. If you just like, I mean, Hopefully people, you know, the the worst is when someone gets laid off and they're just like, I I don't have any money. I need to start freelancing immediately. And and that's a terrible situation to be in, of course. So you want to be as far away from that as possible so you can make smart decisions.
1: Yeah. Although if you're listening and that is you, there are loads of people who have still made that work. (laughs) It's just not the ideal uh, situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if percentage wise, I know, a I don't know percentage wise, but a lot of people I know have just, you know, woken up and be like, I'm not doing this job anymore. I quit. <laughs> and they're just like, and they just scrap to get clients. And the, I think, you know, if we're talking about getting started with freelancing and you are kind of kicked out the door, you kick yourself out the door. Um, the first year, the first year doesn't have to be terrible because the first year you've got like a sort of built-in marketing story where you can go to your network of people friends family colleagues and so forth and you've got this kind of underdog story going for you where it's like ah you know either finally decided or that that I'm I'm gonna start a business or I'm not going back to uh, I'll never work for an idiot again kind of story and <laughs> that gets people on your side it's something to share they you know they everyone will be rooting for you and And you can kind of use your network to land a couple of like, keep the lights on gigs right out of the gate. It's, that's not uncommon for that to happen, but once that does happen, you, you know, you want to be, you know, keep your eyes on, on, you know, 18 months from now when you're just another freelancer scrapping for cash, it's not that interesting story is going to be gone. So in that buffer period, it's like you want to be doing that sales and marketing stuff that, that you never had to do as an employee and that Mm. business owners do need to do yeah well cool this has been great um where where can people go to find out more about what you're doing maybe check out the community check out your oh you know what we didn't (laughs) talk about merch (laughs) you've got some hilarious merch Uh, that's really fun but yeah so um yeah
1: yeah beingfreelance.com is the website um and so being freelance is the podcast and it is instagram and it's twitter and the course and the community uh, which is now no longer on facebook but it's full of so many wonderful people and you know that that is another key thing and it's not just because i've got a community but it's finding other people you know because ne- not necessarily your friends and family will get what it's like to run that business and be mm-hmm. in that situation so you know and it doesn't have to be a paid community there's loads of great communities out there um so yeah uh being freelance.com and the other podcast that i do for self-employed parents is called doing it for the kids
0: awesome yeah run over there and get a non-employee of the week mug I'm told they're back in stock. (laughs) All right, Steve. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks. That's it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time on ditching hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan, again, do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing, your work instead of billing for your time or positioning yourself as the go to person in your space or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call. C-A-L-L. That URL again is JonathanStark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.